Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. We are part of the Iowa Podcasters Collaborative. I'm Spencer Dirks alongside my friend and co-host, Dr. Bob. How are you doing, Dr. Bob? I'm doing great. Thank you. We got a couple things to talk about right off the gate. You had a piece that was just published in the Kansas City Star, so I want to kind of give you a chance to talk about that a little bit, hopefully get some readers to the Kansas City Star. Also, kind of in that vein, you wrote about just the dirty water that we're dealing with in Iowa and how that's affecting all those downstream as well. But also another ag-related topic that's come up recently is and it's not just in Iowa obviously we had a little bit of a heat wave last week we're preparing some for some more heat over the Labor Day weekend but agricultural workers are dropping like flies in this heat across the country especially those that are working in Texas and the southwest so we'll talk about that a little bit and what could possibly be done gonna bring up again Brenna Byrd the Attorney General the State Attorney General still has not reimbursed rape victims for plan b and other health care so i just want to update we don't necessarily have to talk too much about that because we have talked quite a bit about it but i do want to update our listeners then getting into cock talk of course the gop debate was a week ago today it was last wednesday so we'll recap what happened there and then right after the debate vivek ramaswamy came through central iowa so you saw him speak uh, over the weekend, I believe, is when he was kind of making his way through, or maybe Monday was when he... I saw him Friday in Pella. He was in Newton and Indianola that same day. Yep, that's right. And then the federal judge overseeing a criminal case against former President Donald Trump has set a trial date, which is kind of interesting. We'll take a wider scope, talk a little bit about uh, some gossip between two Iowa basketball players, possibly dating. Got some good news today. You went to see the Barbie movie a few weeks ago, even wrote a piece on it on your Deep Midwest Substack, and that has just broken a record, so we'll talk about that. Football is back, and AI sports writing is possibly done, at least for now. And then my top five Iowa reporters. I asked you last week to give me a top five list to put together. That's what you came up with, and I think I've got a pretty solid top five, so we'll see if we agree on that or not. Yeah, I like my top five is like top 50. That's the thing. It was very hard to cut down to five. So if I did leave anybody off, just know that we're full of great Iowa reporters and you are all respected and loved by us here at the Iowa Revolution. But sometimes you got to make a top five. And I think we have a very, very strong top five. So we'll start off with your piece in the Kansas City Star. You also wrote a little bit about it on your Deep Midwest Substack, which make sure that you follow him on Substack as well. But what was the piece about? Well, it was sort of elaborating on something that's been going on for a few months. Chris Jones, who is a water quality researcher at the University of Iowa, he was in charge of 66 different monitoring stations across the state allegedly, well, and he's very vocal about the poor quality of Iowa waters and Republicans want to say our water quality is good. And I've been hearing Republicans say that for years and it's not. I mean, the Biden administration has done great things with respect to, oh, giving different options and incentives for, you know, doing great things with respect to cover crops and other kinds of things that you can do to protect our land CRP. and water. Yeah. But anyway, um, the Republicans in the legislature uh, allegedly went to the, well, I'll say allegedly just to... Just to cover your yeah. CYA, yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, they went to the University of Iowa. They didn't like Chris Jones and what he was saying. They allegedly threatened funding for uh, the University of Iowa, and uh, they pulled the plug on 66 water sensors. So you don't know the quality of the water if you don't you know, monitor it. And it turns out two of those monitors were below the son-in-law of a legislator who owns a 10,000 head cattle operation. So let's pull the sensors. But anyway, it was about that and how Republicans don't want us to know the state of our water. The Kansas City Star was very interested in it. I've worked with them for years, Kansas and uh, Missouri are downstream. They may as well know what Iowa is and isn't doing with respect to water quality. And and Republicans are saying the practices are good enough. Let's encourage the practices, which is great. Let's encourage the practices. But you have to monitor. You have to know whether they're you know working or not. And Chris uh, Jones has a Substack. You can Google his name, and he's very outspoken, very in your face about water quality in the Repub- and you know, and he spreads a lot of blame around. He doesn't think Democrats are doing enough. But Republican, the Democrats aren't the ones that are pulling the censors. They want more improvements on water quality. The Republicans aren't interested at all. They don't care. Yeah, it's like the Republicans are a teacher that assigns homework, but then never actually hands out a test. Right. Right. I assume that you know all this stuff because I told you guys to read these certain chapters, but I'm not going to actually test whether or not you read right. them. Right. So I don't know. That was that was good for the Kansas City Star. Look for something later this week. Fingers crossed in a national publication about immigration. All right. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Hopefully we get a chance to talk about that next week, or very soon. So I mentioned another ag-related issue going on in the state of Iowa and nationwide. This is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. A fifth of reported heat-related deaths between 2017 and 2022 were agricultural workers, according to OSHA data. Academics, occupational health specialists, and advocacy groups are calling attention to the underreported impact of climate change on this group from heat waves. Juan Pena, age 28, has worked in the field since childhood, often exposing his body to extreme heat, like the wave that hit the Midwest this week, or this was this past week. The heat can cause such deep pain in the whole body that he just wants to lie down, he said. It sucks his desire to work, as his body tells him he can't take another hot day on the job. On those days, his only motivation to get out of bed is to earn dollars to send to his 10-month-old baby in Mexico. Farm workers, such as Pena and the crew he leads in Iowa, are unprotected against heat-related illnesses. They are 35 times more likely to die from heat exposure than workers in other sectors, according to the National Institutes of Health. In the absence of a federal heat regulation that guarantees their safety in life, when scientists have warned that global warming will continue, increases that risk. Over a six-year period, 121 workers lost their lives due to exposure to severe environmental heat. One-fifth of these fatalities were individuals employed in the agricultural sector, according to an Investigate Midwest analysis of Occupational Safety and Health Administration data. Well, and in Texas, they tried to pass some legislation that would require water breaks every, like, four hours. Which is still not good enough. It's not good enough, and Abbott vetoed it. So there's no water breaks if you work in Texas. I mean, I'm sure that the companies recognize that it's best to let your people have water, but by God, they're not going to legislate it in Texas. And so 
we'll see. I mean, and people die. I grew up doing construction. I was out there on 100 degree days, and so I know what this is about. And uh, it was okay, but I was a kid, but it was hot, but we got water breaks when we needed them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the part of the problem is for the agricultural workers and for most people that are out there in the heat is that you need the money. And so it's just, so these people that are writing, you have to give them breaks. You, you know, you have, you know, you can't have them out there in 100 degree weather. Well, they have to send them, you know, they have to feed their families, send money for their 10 year old baby to survive. Right. And so they need to work. And so what we need to do is set it up so that they're as, as safe as they possibly can be because they're going to want to work. And uh, you just can't take a week off of work if you're a construction worker, an ag labor person. You know, that lack of a week's worth of work means that people don't eat. And so we just have to try to accommodate them the best that we can for their health. Well, these are, of course, disadvantaged people for the most part, agricultural workers. A lot of them are immigrants, maybe not speak English very well. So they really don't have a mechanism for them to form a union or to ask for some of these things and certainly don't have enough power to make anything happen. So it's very easy for the companies that employ them and especially the government to look the other way. Right. Absolutely. And I, But I like to think that a lot of our employers would do their best. I mean, there's certain cold conditions you just can't work in. I mean, you can't do construction when it's sleeting and can't be on a roof. And, you know, so there's things that you need to do to protect people. But we just need to do, you know, some common sense things to try to maintain their health and give them some options. And the scary part about it is we're already seeing the effects of climate change. And this is one of those situations that will most likely just get worse. In fact, it may get to the point where we're a lot of the places we're, we're, that we're farming right now in Texas or Arizona, New Mexico, parts of California, they won't be arable land <laughs> in 10, 20 years. Right. And there's something that we could have done. There's things we can do now, but Republicans don't want anything to do with it. They're just denying that it is a problem. Yeah. They just want to drill, baby, drill. Yeah. This is from Iowa Public Radio. More than 160 reimbursements requests for rape victims' emergency contraception are pending at the state attorney general's office as the state's longstanding practice of covering this cost remains on pause. According to records obtained by Iowa Public Radio, the reimbursement requests total around $7,500. The reimbursement requests come from hospitals and pharmacies across the state. Around three-fourths are from this year, but several date as far back as 2021. One is from August of 2020. Another is coded for child abuse. Attorney General Brenna Byrd confirmed earlier this year she had paused reimbursements for emergency contraception made through the Crime Victim Compensation Program while it reviews the practice. The Crime Victim Compensation Program pays out-of-pocket expenses for crime victims, including sexual assault exams. Historically, it has covered emergency contraception and even abortions for rape victims. The program is funded using criminal fines and penalty fees, not taxpayer dollars, under the Sexual Assault Examination Payment Program. Hospitals, physicians, and other medical providers are to bill the AG's office, not the victim or their insurance company, for the cost of sexual assault examination, whether or not the crime is reported to law enforcement. Yeah, this is drug out for a long time. Brenna's not going to change anything. She's not going to compensate any of these victims. She's said as much. Yeah, so I don't know why 
Yeah, I don't know why. It's just, I think it's because that they think that anything, you know, helping anybody have an abortion, no matter what the circumstances, is something that they're not going to do. Here's another thought. We've talked about this a couple times on this program. It's very hard to get home insurance now in the state of Florida. It's becoming harder in other states as well. There's a big push to get your children life insurance policies to hopefully go against the gun lobby because if you have life insurance on your child and these insurance companies have to pay these out because of school shootings, they might start to lobby on the on the side of anti-guns or at least more sensible gun laws. What if the insurance companies call up Brenna Bird and says, we're not going to give you your campaign dollars that you want from us this year unless you start paying these because we're not i mean because at this point the insurance companies or the hospitals just have to eat that money because they're still not going to i mean i guess at least the way i read it they're not going to bill the women necessarily unless the hospital insurance company goes after the woman which i guess i wouldn't put it past them either but I guess that may be a silver lining that somebody somewhere might stand up to Brenna Bird and say, enough's enough. You need to start paying this. Insurance companies aren't going to stand up to anybody for anything except profits. And so they're going to decide, is it in their best interest to bring the Republican masses horde down on them for being woke? Yeah. I mean, so no, they're not going to do that. They're going to, they're not going to do that. They're just... Yeah, well, you know what I think of the insurance agencies. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get into some caucus talk, some caucus news. Let's uh, recap that GOP debate. I guess, what were your thoughts? I watched it uh, not all the way through. I watched as much as I possibly could. But what were your initial thoughts once the debate was done last week? Sad. Sad for the state of our country. Sad for the slate of people that were up there it was some of the issues they were discussing it was i don't know it was bad um trump was bad his thing with tucker carlson he was just unhinged um i thought that of all of them nikki haley did the best job but i wrote about nikki haley for time magazine months ago thinking that she would based upon her reception in Des Moines, it's something that I went to, that her thoughts on foreign policy I thought were very good. She stands strongly behind Ukraine. And her thoughts on abortion were at least um, more thoughtful than the others. Didn't want to victimize any of the women involved. I just thought that she, I thought she did fine. I think some people just need to go home. Asa Hutchinson needs to go home. I think that... Oh, the governor from North or South Dakota, wherever he's from, <laughs> needs to go home. Um, he had the bushiest damn eyebrows I've ever seen in my yeah. life. That's the only thing that I took away from his appearance. Yeah, the, he's got nothing. The Watching the deflation of Florida Governor DeSantis was interesting. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's just like all over the place. And then I saw him in Pella, but, you know, just outlandish, absurd, wrong. But... You know, he's telegenic. He, people have the mistaken thought that sometimes when somebody's rich, they're smart. 
Right. You know, that's not necessarily so. I mean, and we have all kinds of evidence to the contrary. Let's just say, you know, taking one of the most recognizable brand names on earth, Twitter, <laughs> and calling it X isn't exactly, you know, rocket science. Whatever. Sometimes <laughs> people that have, you know, that have money. Well, I mean, sometimes they're in this, why is it? Paul Krugman in the New York Times had an article on it. Why are all these bright, youngish people that are billionaires, why are they so into cryptocurrency and into conspiracy theories, anti-vaxxers? And he says it's because they get their money in a variety of ways, and some of that involves being lucky and being a small elite group that are in their bubble and think that they're so smart they don't have to listen to the scientists. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, they aren't interested in what the economists have to say, what the health people have to say, because they're rich, smart, and young, and beautiful. Right. That's what he is. And everybody around them is telling them the same thing. Right. If they aren't, they're gone. Yeah. And so, you know, he's ridiculous. Um, I asked him a question. I said, there's 22 million refugees in the world right now, and a good many of them are climate refugees. And he looked at me and he said, I don't, something like, I don't know what you're talking about, whatever. And I said, climate refugees in Guatemala, they can't grow food anymore. And so they're climate refugees. And he just essentially said, you know, that they didn't exist. He specifically said, I think I disagree with the premise of yeah, your question. He yeah, he said that. And then he said. So basically saying that there is no such thing as climate refugees. Right. But when you can't grow your food, you're... And so then, you know, what's in your way? I mean, what do the what do the mammals do? What do the fish do? What do, you know, whatever, the birds, they can migrate. And so, but since we've got borders, we can't. So there's... And so it becomes a kind of political violence. A border becomes political violence. Yeah. Especially when so much of, of humanity, so much of our time on Earth allowed for the free movement of peoples... And so, and now, where we're desperately needing people as immigrants, and we've got this incredible crisis, we could absorb more people into our economy, and our and our economy would be even better. But instead, we're holding tight on borders and don't, and Vivek with his privilege, and and he's an his parents were immigrants, has no, you know, that's not his problem. These people elsewhere, and you know, to say nothing, you know, of our legacy of colonialism it's just it's all irrelevant and just to help people i just don't get it but you know he's just i don't know he's scary the people in pella loved him oh, i'm sure they loved him there were some women that were like they were at a oh i don't know a concert of a you know a, a great musician <laughs> it's like waving their bras around not quite that far in Pella? Not quite that far, but I will say they were nearly orgasmic. Yeah, they I believe They looked it. like that. He is a, as you said, he's a very striking figure. He's very photogenic, telegenic. He came across as very dynamic on the debate stage. He was right in the middle alongside Ron DeSantis, and I think he did outshine Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I think he did the best in terms of, I mean, the crowds have been crazy for him. I think Nikki Haley did well. Mike Pence is still a fake. He needs to go home. And the other thing, you know, it was sort of Tim Scott I want to like. 
I don't think he did very well. No. I think he honestly did, considering expectations, because life is all about expectations. I do think Tim Scott landed with the biggest thud yeah. on debate night. Well, and the the thing, biggest thing, well, remember when he said, first day on the job, I'm going to fire Merrick Garland. <laughs> yeah, you dumbass. Like, anybody else would do that. And then he said, I'm going to fire Christopher Ray, which was appointed by Trump. Donald Trump, yeah. of course. And that's also probably not that much different than what any other Republican would say at this point. It just didn't seem like he was able to differentiate himself enough. He's just sort of a face in the crowd. Well, and the thing is that if either he or Nikki Haley, this is why what Republicans should be thinking about, and I wrote about this for Time Magazine, is that either he or Nikki Haley, if one of them comes out of Iowa or New Hampshire doing very well, their state decides, South right. Carolina decides, they could, Republican Party could be beyond Trump, but they're not interested, I guess. But it was tough to watch. So you saw Ramaswamy in Pella. As I mentioned, he also visited Indianola. He also visited Newton. He didn't get much of a bump. There was a poll from, I think, Rasmussen that polled people on August 25th and 26th, which would have been the Friday and Saturday after the debate, likely Republican primary voters. Trump actually came down a few percentage points. It didn't necessarily go to one specific person, but it was surprising that Nikki Haley actually had a seven-point jump. So here we are, the Democrats, saying <laughs> Nikki Haley seems like she might be at least not a pea brain. I could see her being a president and not disagreeing with every single thing that comes out of her mouth. And apparently enough Republicans are starting to maybe agree. Oddly, I'm sort of cheering for her because I don't want Trump. But the thing is, Trump is the one with the, I don't want any of them to win. And so I guess I should be cheering for Trump. Yeah. But I'm actually cheering for America. But I'm just scared of what would happen if Trump had the nomination. Because we thought the same thing in 2016. He's got no shot. He's going to get his ass kicked by Hillary Clinton. We didn't think he'd be making it out of the primary. And there he is as the Republican nominee. And then he beats Hillary Clinton. And I just don't want, I don't want that worry in my life anymore. I just don't, I want him to, to be in jail is really what I want. Just so he is gone. Right. Well, I mean, he's a criminal. He should be in jail. He's been a criminal for 50 years and always gotten out of it. One thing, a, a clip that I think Ty Rushing posted on Twitter, because he was also at that Ramaswamy event in Pella, was someone, an older woman that was in the crowd telling him to bust up the teachers' unions because they're teaching the CRT and gender issues, and it's all this like democratic agenda to push homosexuality and transsexuality on your children. And, of course, everybody is applauding that question. And Ramaswamy says, yeah, of course, I'm going to get... He said that during the debate as well, that he would get rid of the Department of Education. And that's huge crowds in Pella. And the FBI. Yeah. He said get rid of the FBI, Department of Education. <laughs> what else did he suggest? Some other... Oh, the IRS. Get rid of that, too. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Cause the, I'm sure a billionaire... Yeah. I'm yeah, sure he wants to get rid of the The people IRS. in the crowd in Pella were so misinformed, so misled by Fox News and conservative media and the lies that they're told every day. They're just, it's sad. And some of them are my friends and they're just, some of them, I know they know better, 
others, you know, some are just willfully ignorant. They don't want to look at anything else. I watch Fox News almost every night just to... Just to put a, a foot into that world. Yeah, yeah. Right. I want to know. Dip what your toe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I look at the website. So first thing I do every morning is I look at a bunch of different news sites. I look at CNN. I look at at MSNBC. I look at the Des Moines Register, KNIA. I look around at different things. I sort of see what the news is of the day, and then I go to Fox News to, so I can know what my Republican friends don't know. Yeah. What they're not being told, and right. what they're being told, and what they're often being told is that. Is silly things college students do. Some Democrat idea that's they find trouble with, and often some kind of a local crime that is terrible. But if it involves a Muslim or a brown person or a black person, they elevate that crime like it's a national story when it's a terrible crime. But it's it's a local crime. It's a, it's a local crime, but they've got to vilify the. They've got to have. They love to have a black person or a Muslim to have that mug shot or right. Have a picture of the the scary Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. To keep people coming back to their website to find out who's going to be coming after them next. Anything else debate wise? I thought Mike Pence actually did decent considering his situation. Um, I agree that he needs to get the hell out of there. But I think if this is winding down his political career, which it is, I mean, he has no shot at being the nominee. And once that's over, it's over for him. I mean, he'll go back to conservative radio or something like that. He might be a Fox News contributor. But in terms of political wins, he's he's done with that. But he does seem to be saving a little face. I think he's really just trying to pump up his value so he can write a book and make some money. And also just be, you know, okay, my legacy is not completely intertwined with Donald Trump. What's going to happen to Mike Pence is someday he's just going to go poof (laughs) in a a little cloud of dust (laughs) and it'll slowly sink to the floor. He's just, there's nothing there. He's just a fake. He's... That or he should just slither away. <laughs> he's just the worst human being. He's he's worse than Donald Trump. Donald Trump tells you he's a snake. He says I'm a snake. Mike Pence acts like he's not a snake. Yeah, he's, Donald Trump always tells the story about the scorpion and how yeah. it gives the ride to the. I can't even remember what it is. But yeah, Pence is that scorpion that's like, oh, no, I'll take you across. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. I'm, I'll be nice this time. Trump is like, no, I'm going to fucking sting your ass. I'm a fucking scorpion. And people are like, yeah, woo! Love that scorpion. So speaking of Trump, let's get into his criminal cases that are going on and piling up. The federal judge overseeing a criminal case against former President Donald Trump for interfering with the 2020 presidential election has set a trial date of March 4th. March 4th of 2024. Brushing aside Trump's arguments for a two-year delay, Judge Tanya Chutkin said she spoke, quote, briefly with a judge in New York who had been set to oversee a separate hush money case against Trump later in March of 2024. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg had previously said he would be flexible on that case as long as the judges agreed. The trial in Washington, D.C., at a courthouse only steps away from the U.S. Capitol, where rioters ran amok on January 6, 2021, falls deep into the 2024 election season and just before Super Tuesday, 
It adds to a hectic legal schedule for Trump, who also faces charges in New York, Florida, and Fulton County, Georgia. Hallelujah. When I saw March 4th, I thought I thought originally that might be on Super Tuesday, but the day before Super Tuesday, which is even better, if you ask me. Yeah, and coincidental. I mean, you, if you look at all the top things he's got going with court, it's not like you can really... There's not a lot of options. I mean, you just have to pick a date. Right. And why should he have any, you know, say over what that date is, you know, any more than any other criminal defendant? And four different indictments in four different jurisdictions. Yeah. So it's like you said, his calendar is filling up pretty quickly with these trial dates, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he's going to fly off and live in Russia with Putin or something. He's going to fly. He's a flight risk. Yeah. You know he is. He yeah, said he is a I flight risk. I was going to say, he, he said as much on his Truth Social account. Yeah. He'll pick a nice place where he can build a golf course and have to freeze his funds. Well, yeah, he's certainly not ever going to step foot in a jail. No. He will move to Russia or wherever else before he allows himself to be arrested and taken into prison. And what did he do? Did he give Mar-a-Lago to Don Jr.? I mean, are we? he gave one of the big resorts to Don. I didn't even yeah, know that. I, didn't know I think that. it was Mar-a-Lago. He seeded it up. He's, trying, he's unloading his properties to his family because he's thinking he might be liable. I was going to say, I mean, that has to be some sort of so they would tactic. Se- they would seize his... He's concerned they're going to seize his assets. Yep. And so he's preparing to depart. Right. Why go through all those court cases if you can just live, you know, on you know in a nice place and golf and... By the way, this is the only reason he's running for president. Yeah. He knew that these cases were coming, and the only way to protect himself at that point is to run for president and say, oh, this is just a big witch hunt. They're trying to come after me because they don't like you guys. Well, and... By you guys, I mean his I would guess there's nothing wrong with him or illegal, you know, for him to run from a former Soviet country (laughs) and and govern as president. Yeah, I don't think the Constitution says anything about you have to... No, that's what he's doing. You know that's what he's doing. He's preparing. He's picking out where there's where they want deporting. Yeah. And so that's what he's doing. And so he's going to rule from abroad. And Russia would certainly be one of those places. They would love that. That's it. That's the prediction. All right. I am on board. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I did want to say something, too, I just saw today that... Did you see that clip of... Ramaswamy rapping along to Eminem at the Iowa State Fair. Uh, just today I saw that Eminem has sent a cease and desist letter to Vivek Ramaswamy to stop using his songs in his campaign. So Good. We may have seen the last of Ramaswamy rapping. Oh, there'll be somebody that comes up with a special rap just for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's probably people working on it right now. Some very untalented people, but there's a lot of people writing raps for Ramaswamy as we speak. Let's take a wider scope. So the Des Moines Register reported on an Instagram post from Caitlin Clark that showed her and Connor McCaffrey cuddling on a boat. Did you see that? Yes. So there was backlash. A lot of Iowa fans, I'm on Twitter, of course, and I'm, I follow tons of Iowa fans. And it was all this backlash of like, leave them alone. Why is this news? Is the Register a gossip column now and all this stuff? And I just didn't understand what the backlash was it's not like they caught some candid moment of them cuddling 
in their house or even at a, a restaurant, Caitlin Clark herself posted on Instagram, here I am cuddling with my other very, very famous basketball playing boyfriend who just happens to also be the son of the current Iowa basketball men's coach. That's news to me. It's at least newsworthy, not saying you have to have front page headlines about it, but if I was a sports editor for an Iowa site, hell yeah, <laughs> run the story. Well, you know, I saw, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about her romantic life. Right. And so I just, I saw it and I thought, oh, good for you. I thought it was a news story too, but I'm not surprised. I mean, Iowa fans will complain about anything. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're tough to take sometimes. And honestly, I even tweeted this myself, but it does seem, and I got a, probably the biggest response I've ever gotten on Twitter from Iowa fans. It does seem like we're getting whinier and whinier. Every single little slight or something that just ticks one person off, then all of a sudden it's all that people are talking about on Twitter. Well, I think it's nice to, I mean, look, she did a remarkable job you know, just as a player. The team did a remarkable job as a team. Them and some and some great competition, other basketball players, they have put women's basketball front and center, drawing lots of interest. It's a great game. I watched more women's basketball this year than I watched men's basketball. Not that I watch a lot of any of it. But so here was a nice little, here's this woman that stepped forward, you know, in multiple remarkable ways as a role model and as inspiration for everybody and to show a, a really nice moment about, you know, in her life. Why wouldn't we want, as she did it herself, why wouldn't we want to be a part of it and feel good for her? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense of why anybody would be upset about a local newspaper talking about this couple. And the reason, it's not because it's Caitlin Clark's boyfriend, although that might be news regardless who it was. But when Caitlin Clark is dating Connor McCaffrey, duh, that's news. I mean, in the sports world, sure. I mean, but she transcends sports. That's when, that's when sports has its greatest value, when it transcends the court or the field. So, yeah. One thing that I would add before we move on is... In the age of NIL, when Caitlin Clark is making a, a lot of money to be a basketball player, it used to be college kids, leave them alone, they're not getting paid. It's like, well, Caitlin Clark is getting paid. And one of the ways she gets paid is by being a public person. So she's trying to maximize her value. And if anything, the Des Moines Register running a story about her enhances her value, which she probably knows, too. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it sells papers. So, it, so, so it, to me, it's like, especially in that situation, it's not like, oh, hands off because these are amateur college kids. It's just not the case anymore. So just, you know, for you Iowa fans that are objecting to this, just give it up. Isn't there more important things to just celebrate with her? Right. Yeah, I'm just, I was baffled that there wasn't just a lot more comments of, cool. That's cool that Connor McCaffrey and Caitlin Clark are dating. Like, and I'm guessing their kids are going to go to Iowa too if they end up getting married and have kids. So, yeah. <laughs> why don't we treat them nicely and have them be happy to be a part of this state? Just yeah. weird. 
Anyway, I digress. So let's get on to some good news. Your favorite movie, at least your favorite movie of the year so far. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Barbie, is it your favorite movie of the year so far? Yeah, I love the Barbie movie. It's officially become the highest grossing movie in Warner Brothers history. Beating out Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Barbie has grossed $1.4 billion worldwide so far. Yeah, I liked it for a variety of reasons. One is that it pissed off a lot of conservatives. That's a good reason. Plus, it was just a good movie. It was well cast. It was hilarious at times. It it, uh, upended the patriarchy and, you know, excellent. And so some people don't like that. But, you know, I love that. It was, you know, for people... For a lot of insecure men, I mean, how <laughs> pathetic they were by it, being ben, offended by... Ben Shapiro their, made two different hour-long YouTube videos about his problems with Barbie. So he basically made an argument against Barbie that was as long, if not longer, than the movie itself. Yeah, How thin-skinned and weak do you have to be as a man to go on a two-hour rant about Barbie? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> There's all kinds of things I could say about Ben Shapiro, but he's not a guiding light. He's a pathetic, oh, yeah. whiny little boy. Yeah, he's honestly one of the worst. Yeah, if that's his ver- if that's the conservative version of manhood, I don't want anything to do with it. I posted that almost word for word on Facebook like three years ago. Like, if you want me to act like Ben Shapiro to be manly, then just <laughs> call it off right now. But I would guess... With some of the conservatives I know, at least the not so many here, because just, but in that world, there's a lot of guys that are just very weak. I know. I mean, there's nothing. I was, all I was of those raised, guys, and yeah. all of those guys are are either never been married or divorced too. So here they are saying like, well, here's I, how you pick up chicks, and here's how you be a manly man, and and be a, a man that your family and your wife can be proud of, and it's like. I'm going to take your advice when none of the women in your life can stand you. Yeah, and they're faking it. They're faking it. Yeah. They've got, they've got nothing. Right. And, you know, let me let me be the first to say it. I could kick Ben Shapiro's ass. I Oh, yes. I would pay to see that. <laughs> I absolutely know you would stomp the shit out of Ben Shapiro. God, that would I just be awesome. said I just said that to be funny. Well, I think you could. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's a weenie. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a weenie. More good news. College football's back. Starts up this Saturday. Iowa hosts Utah State at Kinnick Stadium. And Iowa State welcomes your alma mater, or one of your alma maters, you and I, at Jack Trice Stadium this Saturday. Go Panthers. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. UNI has come very, very close to beating Iowa State in the past. I'm not sure if they have actually beaten them or not. Of course, the year that Iowa almost went undefeated, the year that Ricky Stanzi got hurt at the end of the year, but we started off 10-0, that was the year that we had to block two field goals just to beat you and I in the first game of the year. Yeah. I mean, the toughest game Iowa played until they lost the last couple of games was that you and I team. So it'd be awesome if the Panthers can kick some tail on Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Also, uh, high school football's back. We had our first week one last week, and now we're in the thick of things. September 1st already is on Friday. Hard to believe that it's already September almost. Yeah. We talked about this last week. Last bit of good news before we get to the top five. Gannett has paused AI sports writing, according to Axios. They had used Lead AI in at least three different newspapers throughout the country. I read one of the articles that Lead AI 
quote-unquote wrote last week a recap of a high school football game that didn't include anything but the score, basically just said the score in five different ways, and that was the article. But because of the pushback and everybody making fun of it, Gannett has now paused, for now, lead AI writing stories for their papers. Well, somebody had to submit the content. And so it could have, if they would have submitted more information, it could have written it. I don't think the problem was with the AI. Because if you, you know, if you... Yeah, you're right. I'm sure somebody just wrote in, the final score was this, write a two-paragraph article. And the yeah, the and so if you have the like, sports okay. writers taking notes, if the, if there was a real sport, you're still going to need a sports writer taking notes and just typing it in as the game went on. The AI would create the story and make the sports writer's life easier. But they weren't bright enough. Gannett wasn't bright enough. Well, Gannett's problem is it is it needs more reporters yeah. than we would buy its newspapers. Yeah. By the way, Gannett fired about half of their yeah. workforce like five years ago. And so, yeah, so I don't have any problem. But you're never going to get the color. You're never going to get the dramatic moment. Well, I guess if the sports writer was there to observe it, and then he could let it write it, and, you know, it's late at night, the game's over, wants to go home, wants to have a beer, he could put in all this stuff without thinking about structure or grammar. He could enter all this stuff yes, and then could, edit it. Yes, that's a good point. It could make an actual reporter's life easier and I think it already is. I'm sure there's probably a lot of sports reporters that are not just sports, but a lot of writers out there that are already using AI in one form or the other to help them write articles or research articles or maybe change up a paragraph here and there just because they don't want to repeat themselves. So there, those are, I guess, valid ways to use AI if you're an actual breathing human. But my guess is that this was also just like scraping websites for scores and then just writing articles based off of scores as well it may not have even been a reporter inputting the information it could have just been set up to look at this website every two seconds and write stories based on the scores that you see so it wasn't an ai dropped ball it was a gannet dropped ball well that's why i mean that's why it's maybe sort of good news because it's paused it's coming back and one thing that i want to bring up just one last thing before we get to the top five reporters. K.J. Pilcher, I had seen somebody had posted this, and K.J. Pilcher is one of the sports writers at the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and they've got one of the best staffs in the state, probably the best newspaper staff in the state. He said, I'm fine with it writing, for example, so there's a thing called a Game Changer app. That's how I follow along with my nephew's youth sports. So he's like, it'd be, it's fine if you want to use it for that sort of stuff that isn't already being covered by humans to write up a quick story of like, okay, here's how everybody did and so and so went two for three with an RBI, etc. But it's a totally other thing to take the place of varsity high school sports writers, college sports writers, news writers in general. Agreed. So yeah, there's a place for it, but that doesn't seem to me to be the place for it, at least not yeah, but we'll see. Top five, what a great segue. AI writers into the top five Iowa reporters. We'll start off with number five. You didn't limit me necessarily, so I did pick a sports writer as my number five. He's a sports writer, columnist, Mike Halas from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. His piece the other day on shooting gun incidents in high school sports across the country 
my God, I had no idea all of those incidents across the country where guns being brought into games, people being shot, wounded, you know, different kinds of things going on. It was just a, it was just a wonderful story. And so that's when sports writing does, is its best, is when it, it provides a story that goes beyond the score of the game. Right. And I, th- I don't know. I think he's fantastic. He deserves to be in the top five. Yeah, not only a fantastic reporter, but also a fantastic writer. One of those writers that you just want to read everything that he puts out because he just has that much talent. So Mike Kalas is number five. Number four, we'll stay with the Cedar Rapids Gazette, a guy we talk about quite often on the Iowa Revolution podcast. Todd Dorman is number four. Todd is great. He is uh, such a great columnist always has an interesting angle on right. things and he's uh, doing what great columnists are supposed to be doing is in many ways helping the afflicted and the affli- helping the well, yeah, I've got to get this right he's helping the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable he's you know like he'll always you know He's great with uh, Governor Reynolds and the administration, identifying things that um, other people don't see. But no, he's got a great voice, great talent. Yeah, he's provocative in a very Iowa way. Mm -hmm. He's very thoughtful. He doesn't provoke just to do it, but he's truthful always. Uh, Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. That's right, yeah. That's right. And he does that. I mean, it's just that's what good columnist should do and you know and there's reporting and then there's the commentary what bothers me a lot about reporting is that with if reporting if you just report there's no real analysis that discusses ultimately right and wrong I mean because you have to do all this both sides stuff but sometimes the commentary like he does provides a whole nother angle on so-and-so said this. Exactly. Yeah. Number three, Laura Bellin from Bleeding Heartland. Yeah, she's amazing. Just amazing. We're on panels together sometimes, and I always try to let Laura go first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you can crib her stuff. There's many times where I take stuff from Bleeding Heartland to discuss on this show, so it's always one of the first places I go is Bleeding Heartland. And she does deep, deep analysis. She has this historical perspective that I certainly lack, and so do most people. But, uh, no, she's fantastic. And also she gives voices to other people, you know, to appear on Bleeding Heartland if you don't that and then she's got a new substack well almost a year old now maybe a year old and so anywhere that you can read her she's great she's yeah she's top notch number two is ty rushing from iowa starting line yeah ty's great he's fantastic he's uh he's a good guy very thoughtful just you know caring compassionate but tries to dig in and you know get to the heart of the matter and he does and yeah if you want to know what's going on in des moines in the state house especially laura bellin and ty rushing cannot be beat they are the two best reporters when it comes to the legislature what's going on politically in the state they really know what they're talking about number one art cullen from the storm lake times pulitzer prize winner and 
just one of the best writers that Iowa has probably ever produced. Yeah. Art's fantastic. I don't think... I think he's he and Dorman are the top two opinion writers in the state, and I think that's really neat. And plus, they're both good guys. Art's a good friend. Um, he's a bit of a curmudgeon, which is part of his... I wish you guys could see Dr. Bob's smile right now, by the way, just thinking of, of his friend Art. Well, <laughs> one of the most fun times that I've had a couple years ago was Doug Burns, also a great reporter yep, yep. for the Carroll paper, now gets sort of retired. He does a substack called Iowa Mercury, right? writes a column for Yeah, City he's part Mercury. of the Iowa Writers Collaborative. Yeah. yeah, as is Art Colin. Yep. So, Art Colin, Doug Burns, Ty Rushing, and me at on Iowa Press. Yeah. And we're just, you know, doing the Sunday show. After the show, and we went to lunch. Boy, you should have heard us. <laughs> I mean... That's what they should talking. have been recording. Yeah. That would have been a much, much yeah, more we lively just, show. We let down our hair and just went <laughs> off. Right. And, you know, and Ty is a young guy, and, and Art and I aren't, and Doug's like 10, 15 years younger than us. But Ty's relatively young, in his 30s, I'd guess. And and us just letting loose, I think, was a hoot for him. Sure. To see us do that. So... He's really, yeah, he's just great. All of them are great. Put Doug Burns in there, too. So you mentioned Doug Burns, anybody else I left off. I do want to mention a couple names. One radio name, O.K. Henderson, who does Iowa Press. She's fantastic. Um, Julie Gamick is fantastic. Trying to think of anybody else. But anybody else that, that I miss that you think deserves to be at least mentioned. Maybe Maybe not top five, but... Somebody that uh, does a great job. I actually have a list here of some other people that we should... Brianne Fawnensteel with the Des Moines Register, political yep. reporter. She's doing stuff for MS, MSNBC and NBC, too. She did one of the debates last time around. Aaron Murphy with the Gazette. Clay Masters. All, everybody at Iowa Public Radio is really good. Zachary Orrin Smith is great. Dave Price isn't with WHO anymore, but um, he has his own substack and he's great. Um, Kay has to be in the top. Tom Cullen, Art's son, is really good. Jared Strong with the Capital Dispatch. Katie Aiken with the Register. Philip Janes, lots of great people. Stephen Gruber Miller for the Register doing his state house reporting is fantastic. One of the people that Amanda Rooker is new at KCCI, but she's doing a great job so is laura terrell rochelle chase with the registered dana james i want to mention with new black iowa she's really good randy peterson sports reporter very good um mike peterson with kma is a good excellent reporter and i also want to give a, a shout out locally to the oscaloosa herald channing rocks and emily hawk they're both doing a great job so i mean i'm ed tibbetts you know he's got his own Substack. He used to be with one of the Quad Cities paper. I mean, there's so many great people. Tom, Ryan Foley, Tom Beaumont. I don't know. I'd have to put Brianne up there in the top. And Kay is just an institution, how she, you know, just sort of is so centered and provides the great reporting. I don't know. There's We're just so lucky we have so many. I started putting Michael Leland, I forgot, 
uh, Katarina Sestorik, Charity Nebby, well, the best interviewer oh, yeah. out there. Um, I don't know. There's just so many great people. But in my top five, I have to put Roger Riley yeah. with WHO. I mean, Roger is everywhere telling compelling stories. I don't know how many times I've been out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and all of a you know, for something, and here comes Roger. Yeah. It's just, or he's worse when he beats me to something, you know. Right, when he's there, when you show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's, we've, we're, we are so lucky. And I'm sorry, I don't follow all the... The, you know, the West Coast of Iowa papers, yeah. I mean, I should, but I don't. The team at the Gazette is fantastic. Check out their podcast. They do it. It pops up every Friday, I believe. But, you know, they do a great job. Um, I said Aaron Murphy. I guess I'm just going to shut up because I'm going to forget somebody, but I like to read them all. I respect them all. I admire their work. I appreciate it. And I think that without these people out there every day doing this great reporting, um, we would be missing so much. And so tune in to our TV stations. Listen to our not-talk radio, conservative radio stations. There's some great radio stations out there. I mean, you can listen to the bullshit out of WHO if you want, but I feel And WRT and Cedar Rapids is the same. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, Yeah, it's the same Fox News Rush wannabe. Yeah, Clay Travis and yeah. whatever the other guy's name is. Ridiculous people. Yeah. But there's really great radio out there, great newspapers. Buy, subscribe to a paper. I mean, subscribe to your local paper, subscribe to a, you know, a statewide paper. Be the, uh, the Iowa Capital Dispatch, you know, all those people there. Kathy, uh, Kathy Abradovich has a great yeah. team there. So, I mean, and I'm honored to be in there sometimes and the register as well. It's just like, there, we are remarkably lucky in Iowa. It's not a news desert. There's some, tests, some small towns that we've lost papers, but if there's a paper in your town, support it. A lot of these people are not necessarily making a ton of money, and they're working their asses off to make sure that we're informed. And we wouldn't be able to do our podcast without them doing most of this reporting. Um, right. Obviously, you go to a lot of these events, but... We wouldn't be as knowledgeable as we like to imagine we are, at least, without these great reporters in the state of Iowa. So thank you to all the reporters. Um, What's the next uh, top five? What are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? Um, Boy, how about, have we done favorite college mascots yet? No, let's do it. Let's do that. Santa Cruz banana slugs. Oh, that was going to be in the top five. I'm pretty sure I have done like that. I have done that top five before, but I might have to take a second look. Toledo mud hens. So we're not even limiting it to college. Yeah, that's right. Not college. Not just, just college. Just, anybody. So minor league baseball teams. Right. Savannah bananas. Yeah. Why not? All right. Top five <laughs> sports mascots. Then we'll say. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add? Uh, obviously covered a lot of ground today, but anything else that you've been holding in, just waiting to talk about? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> we might be opening a whole new can of... No, we'll get to them sooner or later. Just thanks for listening. Yes, we appreciate our... Uh, you are very much valued, all of our listeners. We know that we have a pretty passionate fan base just a few months into this 
uh, podcast. So it's cool to get some feedback from people, people liking our podcast episodes or sending us messages. Um, Dr. Bob ran into a listener not too long ago that uh, just went on and on about how much she likes the podcast. So we certainly appreciate all of that feedback. It helps us keep going. I mean, I just enjoy talking. We we wouldn't need to have a podcast to get together necessarily, Dr. Bob, but it is cool to know that there's people out there listening. Yes. Thank you so much. Make sure that you follow us on our Substack. Of course, we're Iowa Revolution. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. We also have a Facebook page as well. Guess what it is? Iowa Revolution. So just search Iowa Revolution and you will find us wherever you might be on social media. And you can also find our podcast pretty much anywhere, iHeart, Spotify, Apple. So however you choose to listen is fine with us. And we can't wait to visit with you next week. Dr. Bob, thanks for being here and uh, can't wait to see you next week as well. Likewise.